Hi everyone, Paul here from Rat Depot, and I'm back with the narration of uh, the latest letter, Lamb, Lacamo, Love, which is obviously a very witty, smart, hilarious play on Live, Laugh, Love. Um, hopefully you've managed to catch the last podcast, which was with me and Louis, which is called IP Often Enough, but if not, go check that out. And uh, the next podcast episode, which I'm recording shortly after this letter comes out, um, will be up on Wednesday. But let's get straight to the point. Do you think aliens exist? Statistically speaking, the answer is likely yes. Annoying nerds like Neil deGrasse Tyson tell us it's more likely than not. The question really is, how will our first interaction go? Will we be besties with them immediately? Will they find us sexy? Or more like potential domesticated pets? Or will they terraform our entire planet to harvest natural resources, leaving a lump of rock and ash that can't possibly testify to the horrors our species has finally succumbed to? We've been talking about aliens since the beginning of time, really, which is ironic because presumably aliens could not currently give less of a fuck about us. What's your favourite depiction of an alien? The iconography of the UFO and the alien has taken many forms over the years, but obviously the most long-lasting and influential alien is the big grey bitch. The grey, bulbous-headed alien evolved from multiple sources, including an occultist who met a celestial forehead merchant called Lamb back in 1917. When World War I broke out, said occultist Alistair Crowley shipped himself to the United States and, quote, continued experimenting with sex magic through the use of masturbation, female prostitutes, and male clients of a Turkish bathhouse. A few years later, a doctor prescribed Crowley heroin as a treatment for his asthma. This entire letter could be about Crowley, honestly, but we'll put a pin in him for now. In any case, a pretty solid origin story for Lamb and its people. Since then, we've made aliens look like a lot of things. Jacked albinos, ballsack beings in flying bicycle baskets, Danny DeVito, you name it. In this letter, I'll be discussing a couple of my favourite depictions of aliens and explore some of the influences that inspired their designs until I run out of words. While passing through Dutch customs, Swiss-born artist Hans Rudi Geiger was briefly detained as the police found artwork in his luggage that they initially believed were horrific photographs of real subjects. Much later, Geiger would recall this story and remark, Where on earth did they think I could have photographed my subjects? In hell, perhaps? H.R. Geiger, born 1940, died 2014, is best known for his influence on the 1979 film Alien as part of the special effects team and as the daddy of the xenomorph. The original inspiration for the design of the Xenomorph was a painting by Geiger titled Necronom 4, pictured lovingly below. This painting, in turn, was an evolution in Geiger's interest in, quote, biomechanoids, beings with hard, armoured, or tactile exteriors who integrate with the architecture around them to protect themselves. Director Ridley Scott was so enamoured by Necronom 4 that he asked Geiger to produce a natural history of the creature based on Dan O'Bannon's screenplay for Alien, and you know the rest. Geiger's influences are fairly difficult to decipher. Writer and photographer Andreas Hirsch spent 10 years researching the most complete monograph on Geiger's work, describing it as a science fiction Rosetta Stone, combining several languages that still have to be decrypted. Geiger's work today appears like a code that has been far from fully broken. While I've spent a couple hours on this section, I do not have the time or money to own this momentous work, which is £1,250 if any of you fancy it. So let's take a brief stab in the dark and see what sticks. 
Nefertiti by Salvador Dali from 1972 is a sketch inspired by the ancient Egyptian queen Nefertiti, who is often depicted with a large rounded headdressing or crown. Both Dali and Geiger were interested in Egyptian art and mythology. Geiger met Dali in the 70s, a friendship which also led Geiger to work briefly on Alejandro Jodorowsky's Dune. After Dali showed Gali's, uh, after Dali showed Geiger's work to the director, Geiger produced sketches and concepts for landscapes, creatures, and spaceships for the doomed production. Dali subsequently tried to have a threesome with Geiger's then partner and a hippie he knew. Geiger stated he was secretly amused by the whole affair, as he had just read John Fowles' The Magnus, and quite understood what the old fox was up to. Another phallic sake view. Below is Geiger's rendition of the June worm, presumably sucking on a big dong. We'll leave that there. The xenomorph is often posed in the above position when models are produced, replicating the image of the Sphinx, and in particular, contemporary erotic Sphinx sculptures by Ernst Fuchs, who Geiger explicitly named as a key influence on his own work. Many of the xenomorph sculptures at the H.R. Geiger Museum are posed as such, suggesting that Geiger intended for them to be viewed this way in the context of a gallery. The submissive, erotic pose of Fuchs's Sphinx is juxtaposed by the sharp, blade-like tail of the xenomorph. In such a pose, the xenomorph's form and beauty clashes with its deadly nature. These few influences are really just skimming the surface of how Geiger approached his creatures, his little freaky boys and whatnot. But what shines here is Geiger's interest in ancient mythology, gods and the intersection of organic material with technology and industry. A reverence for ancient power combined with a healthy fear of machination helped birth his freakiest boy of all. Case in point, the original Xenomorph mock-up was made from parts of an old Rolls-Royce car, rib bones, and a vertebrae from a snake, moulded with plasticine. Well, I hope this initial foray has piqued your interest in finding out more. Whichever thread you pull on, it's clear Geiger had a massive impact on science fiction and reinvented what aliens could look like. One final shout-out to Geiger's designs from Swiss Made 2069, a film from 1968. A short film that Geiger made that... Upon Googling makes no fucking sense at all, but they did design this alien costume for a dog that you can see above, which apparently it appears got stolen or lost. So if anyone has seen this costume in their attic or anything, please let me know. In fact, I've changed my mind. This is the best guy I could design. Forget what I said earlier. Next, we have Paulina Peavy, who was an American artist who believed she was communing directly with beings from another realm to produce her art. During a seance at a pastor's house, PV met an entity known as Lacamo, a, quote, wondrous ovoid-shaped UFO, who then revealed great universal truths to PV, which informed her approach to art for the rest of her life. PV claimed that her brush essentially moved on its own as she channeled Lacamo and its ovoidy vibes. Some of her best work incorporates mysterious androgynous faces in vapours or geometries of colour that are stunning. What I love most about this work is that the aliens in PV's work are obscured and mysterious, rather than tangible beings we can commune with in our current form. PV developed her own very dense cosmology and lore around her relationship to Lacamo and the next realm, which centred around ancient Egypt and the ge geometric significance of the pyramid. PV also, drumroll please, wore masks to help enter trance states in order to communicate with Lacamo, pictured below. 
Well, that's going to be it this week, as I realise that once again there is too much to talk about. I have so much more to say on this topic, so make sure you tune into the podcast on Wednesday for more celestial swag and a good dose of other nonsense. Please leave a like if you enjoyed this. It really, really helps Rat Depot uh, to be introduced to other people who might like it as well. Um, And yeah, until then, be good. Love, Bully.